Hi, welcome to the Holy Fuck Podcast. I'm your host, Alexandra Roxo, author of Fuck Like a Goddess, creator of Radical Awakenings, transformational coach, and student of life. I'm here to stand with you asking questions about what is sacred and what is profane and the space between. Enjoy. Hello, hello, dear friends. Okay, this is a special episode for two reasons. The first reason is because it's my birthday tomorrow. Yes, my birthday. Oh my goodness. Talking about this, I'm like, whoa, I haven't even really thought about, like, what does it mean for me this year? Uh, Curious, what do you do on your birthday in terms of a birthday ritual? For me, hmm, it varies for year to year of course, but in the last few years, before my bolder life, my partnership life, I did some group rituals for my birthday where people would like bring a song or a poem. And those were so delicious in LA. Um, Really, really good. One where my friend did a sound ceremony for us. Um, But yeah, I'm so this year, so I'll reveal to you what I'm doing this year. I decided I wanted to reconnect with my New York self and the inner artist uh, who lives inside of me and also outside of me (laughs) through my embodiment and go to New York City. And it's funny because I just went to New York City for a different artist date and it may sound, you know, a little um, luxurious, but I bought tickets for my partner and I to go to a gala in New York for the Tibet House, which is this incredible organization that brings Buddhism to um, many people in America. They also are connected to Menla, a retreat center in upstate New York. And I saw this gala and I saw the lineup for some of the musicians playing. And I thought, what a fun night to go listen to music and then have a big epic dinner and for all of the proceeds to go towards this amazing organization. I don't even know if I've ever been to a gala, you know, like you see in the movies where everyone gets all dressed up. So we're going to get dressed up and we're going to go to this Buddhist gala and in New York city. And, um, and that just, just sounds really good. When we were there a few weeks ago in New York city, it felt so good. I realize it's the one place on this planet that I felt truly at home. And I felt at home being there again, even though it was just 24 hours. And I know the romantic side of the city presented itself to me in that first little bit of time. But I still have people, some of you guys listening that are in New York and that are still just like doing incredible work there and like living there and having amazing lives. And I connect very well with New Yorkers. Even here in Boulder, I've sort of like found the former New Yorkers. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, cool. You lived in New York. Okay. I can really feel that in you. Um, Not that it's like a toughness or a coldness or a hardness. It's funny. It's not those things. It's, um, it's more like a no bullshitness, to be honest. It's like a cut to the chaseness, uh, which I really appreciate. It's, it's a no frills kind of an approach to, Either I want to be your friend, I'm interested, or I'm not interested and I'm not going to pretend that I am. And I think in L.A. I had so many people who just kind of would say, oh, let's get together. And it wouldn't happen on either side. And there's this kind of 
trope or stereotype to LA people being flaky, which, and then I found myself being, being flaky when I lived in LA. By flaky, I mean canceling plans last minute or changing my mind about plans. Um, and I feel like New Yorkers don't really do that. It's kind of like, I made this plan, show up, that's what's happening. There's a little less leeway. There's a little bit kind of of a trustability there. Uh, that's at least all of my interpretation. Curious, what are your thoughts on that? Let me know. Okay, so th that's the first exciting thing that I'm coming to tell you on my po podcast is that I'm going to New York for two days. But that's not really it. That's not really why I recorded this podcast today. I recorded this podcast today because my book, Fuck Like a Goddess, is coming out in paperback tomorrow. Tomorrow. Um, in July of 2020, she was born into the world at the height of the friggin' pandemic. I had this vision that I would be traveling and going to doing book signings and I would be in New York City at an incredible event and meeting all of these women and I would be leading meditation and practices embodiment and we'd be crying and talking and I'd get to celebrate with the women that I love and all of these different cities I'd get to meet so many more of you who are listening and when the pandemic happened I like so many others had a, a nice boohoo um, over my life changing of course inconsequential compared to so much of the, the drama and suffering that occurred at the height of that time. However, I will not negate my experience of being pretty bummed out that for my first book, I did not get to have any kind of a tour or a launch party. We were actually planning a launch party in LA and I was going to have artists do different installations. Um, it was going to be rad. I, I throw a good party. When I did launches for some of my other work in New York City, my web show Be Here Now is another uh, a production company that I launched with a former collaborator. We had some big parties with hundreds of people. We spoke on stages, uh, great DJs. And that was in my late 20s, which I would call a very magical time though also pretty heavy in some ways. However, I was imagining, okay, for this book, now I will have an opportunity to have a book launch party um, from this place that I'm at in my life right now. I've healed and recovered so much of myself versus that 28-year-old self who is launching her projects while simultaneously being a little too tipsy, let's say, and a little bit too dramatic with romance. And we've done some deep recovery and healing around that and so many other pieces, which you can read about in the book. And so I imagined, you know, a, a tour where I got to meet a lot of women and we engaged in practice and laughter and sharing. And it didn't happen. It didn't happen. However, I got to meet up with a lot of you guys online and that was really special. I thought, well, maybe the, the upside to this is that instead of being in a room of say 20 to 50 to 100 to 200 women in Chicago or Atlanta or New York or whatever, I can have a bunch of people on a Zoom meeting. And I did. I can't remember how many people were on that, that book launch Zoom. I wish I did remember. But it was substantial. And I actually, I, I did the Zoom book launch experience from Tulum where I was um, celebrating slash just getting out of my Venice apartment. I was there with my friends, Paul and Erica, and then with my partner. Before he was my partner, he happened to have been invited on the same trip that my friends, Paul and Erica, invited me on, which is very synchronistic and strange. And I thought to myself, and I may have mentioned this story before, I thought, oh no, I don't want to have my book launch in front of a new 
you know, flirt because they're going to see me when I'm in this like alpha mode, uh, birthing this huge project. It's going to be a mad, I imagine a stressful moment or a very full energetically moment. I think I've told that story about what happened on my book launch night somewhere, maybe on a podcast here. Um, so I won't repeat it, but I will say that he came through, even though we were really new in each other's lives, he came through and he read to me from my book on the night it was released when I was feeling super down that I didn't have a big party and that I wasn't with my best friends. Uh, besides Paul and Erica, they were actually newer friends, but, um, and, and deep, beautiful friends, but I kind of missed like my besties. And I was like, I should have maybe stayed in LA and just like gotten together with my besties, even though it was the pandemic and not everyone was getting together. So I just felt bummed about it. And he came and he said, come on, made us some cacao and bring your book. And then he read to me from my book and I, my heart was deeply, deeply tickled and moved. Um, it was a really special moment. So that's when my book came out in July, 2020. And since then she's been shaking her booty all around this world, actually, uh, I get messages from all around the world from women that are reading this book, which is really special. I do want to say, as an artist and a creative and a channeler, when I call something through my system, I don't really take it as necessarily like it's it's me, but it's also an entity of its own. It's also its own thing. So this book has a life of its own. It's out there living its life. And the paperback is lovely. Why would one buy a paperback over a hardcover? Well, one thing, it's cheaper, so that's good. <laughs> also, it's like, you know, the hardcover, I feel like you want to, like, put on a coffee table. It's such a statement piece. You know, in fashion, you, like, have a few statement pieces that you don't wear all the time. And you can't really mix too many statement pieces. Well, you can. You can do whatever you want these days. But let's say traditionally speaking, you would want to wear maybe a few statement pieces, but you wouldn't want to be all statement. <laughs> but my book is a statement piece. So if it's on your coffee table, it's a statement piece. People will walk over to it. They'll touch it. They'll pick it up. So if you have it on your coffee table, you definitely need to have the hardcover because it's embossed. It feels good in your hands. You can touch it. Um, the letters are, like I said, embossed, raised. And, uh, and the jacket is just really lovely. And However, if you want to have one that gets all messed up and like written in and wet by the pool, I would recommend getting a, a paperback so that you can kind of just like mess it up and, um, and touch it deeply and kind of, you know, get really intimate with it and not have to worry about, um, you know, tarnishing this piece that you want to have in your home because it is just an amazing piece to have either on a bookshelf or on a coffee table. It is something that people will chat about and be like, ooh, what's that, right? And I have a bunch of those in my home that are, I kind of like put certain books in areas where I know they're attention catchers and they, they stand for something. They say something about who I am and what I'm interested in. And this book is definitely that, I think. It says something. It says I'm interested in healing. I'm interested in reclaiming. I'm interested in standing like standing in my power. I'm a little bit audacious. I'm a little bit bold. I'm a little bit of a rule breaker. Um, I'm not afraid to mix my 
spirituality, my healing, with a little bit of humor, a little bit of tongue-in-cheek, a little bit of uh, uh, cursing, a little bit of um, being in your face, right? So it's a little bit of a mix of that with the title. I, I definitely have grown up quite a bit since writing this, and I still love it. I still love it. I kind of feel like that about all the works of art that I've made. If you if you guys have watched Be Here Now, it's the web show that I made in my 20s. I still fucking love that show. I love it. I love it. I love it. And I've grown up so much since it, then. And this book as well. I've grown up so much. But I still find the value in getting really real about where some of your unconscious wounding lies and committing to bringing awareness to those places, to feeling those places, and to noticing the collective archetypal wound templates that we hold as women around our voice, around our sexuality, around our body, and around our spirituality, and the way we perceive what is divine God, God is divine, mostly God in the Western kind of canon. So the Western mainstream kind of canon. So this book is dealing with those cultural uh, and collective wound templates, which most of us have inherited. And so we've either worked through them to a certain extent that feels comfortable, or we haven't worked through them at all, or we notice that we need to work through them consistently because the world will continue to show us the values based on this capitalistic culture of you only have value if you're beautiful, if you're thin. Um, sexuality can be deeply exploited but not really understood. So you have mainly in mainstream media, you have no real sex. You have mainly uh, a lot of guns, a lot of violence, and not a lot of approach to love and sexuality. But then you have places like, let's say, porn sites where there are millions and millions of people seeking uh, sexual simulation. So we know like there's something really off in our culture, in our approach to the female body, to our menstruation, to even um, fertility, conception, uh, abortion, um, weight, right? We're seeing more and more women portrayed in fashion magazines and catalogs who are of varied body shape and stature and uh, skin tone. And, um, and, and that is new and it's still not widespread, right? So it's not like you're going to fashion week and seeing uh, all different colors and shapes on the runway. You're still, I imagine, seeing um, more really thin bodies. The same goes with like the way that we speak up I think nowadays there is the wound template around speaking our truths as because of social media has been one that's been worked. It's we've gotten to work it, many of us, by writing and sharing publicly on social media. Not everybody, though. Oh, my God, not at all. And there are some countries where if people were to share in the way that we share, they would get into to a lot of trouble. And we've seen that in the news in the last year, that some of the rights that we have here in America or in the Western sphere are just ones that we may take for granted. Um, and so there's, in this book, I go into these different wound templates or imprints that most of us have received as women in the Western um, part of this planet. However, I think a lot of them apply to non-Westerners and also non-female bodies. So I'm just telling you that, though that was the perspective that I wrote it from very clearly, which I identify at the beginning of the book. I, I will say I will say a few things. I want to just say a few things that 
that in retrospect, looking back at this book and going, okay, um, what has stuck? What hasn't stuck? Is there anything that I don't believe anymore? Anything that I would change? I will say the work keeps working. There is no final destination. So if at any point in the book, I made it seem like, great, I'm healed. Mm, I got to be honest. There are moments where I still have trouble with my body, um, where I still fall into the thinking patterns around how I should or shouldn't look, where I still feel shame around some of my sexual desire. So it's not that those things go away completely. And I, I want that to be clear. Just because you do work, let's say spiritual or mental or psychological or somatic work to do some of the healing or even shamanic or spiritual, I already said spiritual, <laughs> it doesn't mean it's going to go away forever because we live in a sex negative culture. We live in a, in a sick culture. We can, we can really know that by the amount of gun violence and the amount of, um, of trouble that we're having in the, the planet right now, with the way that we interact with the body of mother earth, who is an extension of the, the feminine. So we know that we can say that we are operating within a greater system that is unwell and we're trying to get well together. Thank goddess. We're trying to get well together. I definitely feel that. And so in this book, I think part of the message is we may not get well overnight. We may not recover overnight, but it's, it is essential that we get on the train and we begin the process as soon as possible. And this is where there's a toxicity and urgency culture, but there is also an urgency to us deciding how we spend our time on the planet because we all are here for a finite amount of time. And so there's an urgency to us making a decision as to how we spend our time here and going, oh, I want to recover. I want to reclaim. I want to heal. I want to live free. I want to live open. I want to live embodied. I want to radiate love. I want to move the needle in the direction of healing, recovery, reparation, on this planet instead of be unconscious or just kind of checked out or asleep to the process that we're in. So that is a big one that we can all continue in all of the ways. Um, and I think we, we wake up in layers. And so we may have to do some healing through, let's say our chakra system, or we can take it out of that and put it in a more archetypal system of like, Oh, we have to heal through our sense of self, our psyche, our body, our soma, our sexuality, the way we experience our power, the way we experience our voice, all of these things kind of have to be put into a washing machine and, and cleaned and purified and clarified and distilled. Or you can look at it more through like a chakra system and you can go, okay, I have to actually examine my beliefs, my behaviors, my patterns around money, around my sexuality, around my emotions, emotional expression, around energetic and emotional boundaries, around sexual boundaries, around my relationship to power, self-esteem, confidence, my relationship to my heart, connection, compassion, my relationship to my voice, speaking up, clarifying, defending, declaring, my relationship to my third eye, visioning, having the capacity to see beyond the physical, 
um, having the capacity to hold a greater vision and my crown having capacity to feel my connection to spirit, God, goddess divine at all times while having my feet deeply planted on the earth. And so, yeah, you can hold the, the greater recovery, reclamation, repair that we're all in on this planet, or you can pretend it, you don't, it's not happening and you don't need it. You can hold it within many different frames as well. But I think there is this tendency to go, I did a little bit of healing and I'm good. And that healing has a little bit of a bummer connotation. Um, but I look at it as a clarifying, as a sharpening, a clearing, an alchemy. It really is an alchemical process to sit with some of the tough stuff and to churn within it and to let it kind of... Um, brighten you and uh, scrub you and open you. Without that, we live dull. We live dull, we live numb, we live closed, we live small. So in order to get from that, that contracted state into something big and juicy and expanded, maybe messy but free and you know, attempting to find itself, we do this healing work. We do this self-investigation. We cultivate self-awareness. We look into our families. We look into our behaviors. We look into our thought patterns. We look into the way that we love or connect. We look at, you know, what Carl Jung says, the unconscious drives your life, but we call it fate, right? So if you look around your life and you go, oh, let me take an inventory, then you can have a direct relationship to what your unconscious tendencies are, a direct understanding rather, by just looking at how things are showing up in your life. And you have to look at that on all levels, not just the material, because many people can have a beautiful material reality, but inside in their thoughts or their emotional reality, it can be um, very dark, right? So it's not always how it looks on the outside, but you know, you can, you can, it can be that as well. It can be a bright, bright outside and things are bright. Um, so anyway, I could riff about this book forever because I put so much love into it and I love how much you guys have put love into it and shared it on your stories and given it to other women in your lives. That makes me so happy because this is every woman that gets closer to being free, to feeling free is a success for the healing of this planet. And so every time that you pass this book to another woman, and perhaps it helps her just to get a little bit more free. You're supporting the healing of this planet. The healing of our relationship with our bodies, with our hearts, is directly related to the relationship with planet Earth. How we treat our bodies, ourselves, is directly related to how we treat this planet. So... If you don't have the book, now is the time. Go buy it, click it. I'm not saying this so that I'm making a ton of royalties. I don't, that's not what it's about. I actually just want to spread, spread something that I worked really hard on. And, ooh, hard on it. I, I, no, I, <laughs> I don't know. My teenage mind was just activated in that moment. <laughs> oh, you got to have some laughs, you know, as you're doing the deep, deep work. Um, so, that's another piece of being an artist, being a writer, is you hold your gift that you you created. And many times you want to abandon it. You're like, I'm over it. 
And I tell you, with projects, some projects in the past, I haven't had the the staying power to continue to hold the project as it did its magic. But with this project, I'm going on two and a half years and I still feel so true, so close, so honoring of this book. So buy it for a friend right now, gift it to someone, gift it to a woman you love, a cousin, auntie, mama, sister, daughter. Um, I did this amazing book club. It, it uh, and there were a mom and a daughter there. And there was a mom who was like, I want to get it for my daughter. And what's the earliest age that she could read it? And I said, well, that's a great question. I'm thinking maybe like 16, 17, 18, but I'm not 100% sure. I was like, why don't you read it first? And then you decide. Um, but yeah, gift it to someone. And that's the birthday gift that I'm asking for me. And I could ask you, hey, do you want to just donate some money to one of the organizations that I really love donating to and that I donate? to monthly, which is an important part of how my own income distribution that I do. I could say that, but this time I'm going to ask you just to buy the book and not because I get a financial kickback, but because I want the book to be in as many women's hands as possible. Okay. So if you haven't bought the book and it's not sitting on your coffee table as a beautiful uh, work of art that sparks people's interest. Uh, the painting on the back is by Domino, um, a dear uh, friend in LA, and she she did an amazing job on this painting. I love it so, so much. Um, and so anyway, the, the painting is beautiful. Um, the book is a great book. And I mean, a great book to have in your home, not just a great book. <laughs> and the paperback is one that you can rough up as much as you want and, you know, crunch it and get it wet and all of that stuff. And it's a little bit less of an art piece. Okay, that's my whole spiel. Thank you for celebrating my birthday with me by celebrating the paperback launch. Book writing is like a long, patience-oriented process. It's not doesn't necessarily mean big money for all of us who are writers <laughs> but it's um big love big big love and um and it also it's an industry which I really believe in which is people not just being on their screens and their phones but people reading paper and writing in paper I feel like this may change in the coming years and so to celebrate be a radical revolutionary who gets off your screen and who goes and reads and sits on the porch with a nice cappuccino or whatever, or sits by the beach with whatever, you know, virgin daiquiri or margarita and reads this book uh, instead of scrolling on Instagram while you're sitting at the beach, instead of scrolling, um, which I do too. I find myself doing, I'm like, what am I doing? I'm in this beautiful place. Why am I looking at my phone? It's just addiction. There's so many videos and, and data videos, right? I'm like looking at more videos to tell me about my phone addiction. <laughs> anyway, books are the antidote to phone addiction. Books are the antidote to screen addiction. Books are the antidote to falling into the black mirror of the phone and never coming out. Read books. They're so good for you. <laughs> okay, love you guys. Thanks for celebrating with me today. Thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. 
For more, 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 follow me on IG at Alexandra Roxo, and you can get on my mailing list where I send poems, practices, rituals, links to upcoming retreats and events, and all kinds of goodies. And if this podcast has touched your heart, please let us know. Please write us a review, give us a five-star rating, all that. It means a lot to myself and everyone involved. Big, big love, my darling. Have a fabulous day and see you again very soon.